Hello and welcome to another episode of Cranky Talk, a show for avgeeks and non-avgeeks alike. We continue to tackle everything happening in the aviation world in the time of COVID, and today we're going to talk about the boom. Uh, that sounds very, uh, very ominous. Oh, it is for the companies trying to tackle it. But really what we're talking about is supersonic air travel. Oh, okay. Sonic boops. Uh. Yes. Close enough. Uh, uh, I love this topic. Uh, when can I get on one of these airplanes? Don't worry, Dave. We'll talk about all that soon enough. But first, we need to talk about our sponsors. It is the last week of the archive.net trivia, and the question, for those who don't recall, was what was the original name of EOS before it started flying over the Atlantic? Uh, Atlantic Express. What the hell, Dave? <laughs> How did you know that? Uh, magic. I mean, that is scary, but you are right. Uh, Atlantic Express was the name of the airline during the early planning phases, and that's when I was interning there. I don't think it was ever going to be the real name. It was just a placeholder for planning purposes, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we also want to thank BetterHelp for being a sponsor. BetterHelp provides professional counseling done securely online, and we'll talk more about that later in the show. All right, so, supersonic travel. Yes, when can I buy a ticket? Well, you can either go back in time 18 years, or you can wait until someone else figures this whole thing out, which could happen someday, eventually, maybe. Okay, so you're suggesting time travel is a better option? I'm not not saying that. And, oh boy, was that glorious to be able to fly Concorde back in the day. The only Western supersonic passenger aircraft. Uh, did I tell you I flew it, Dave? Uh, you pretty much wouldn't shut up about it from the moment we started planning this episode. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, you have, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'll admit it's pretty cool. What was it like? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. See, <laughs> it's almost it's... like these are planned. Yeah, who knew? Uh, it's kind of funny, though, because the, the idea of luxury today, it's kind of the opposite of Concorde. So today you think of flatbed suites with doors and all that fancy stuff. Uh, but Concorde did not care about comfort. It was so fast, you just didn't care. Or at least that was how they pitched it. It wasn't luxurious? It was in some ways, but the airplane itself was this tiny tube. So you couldn't put much in there, even if they wanted to do it. Uh, instead, they had seats that are kind of like domestic first class, two and two across. Um, the food was great and all, but the windows were tiny, and you could easily hit your head upon boarding. It, it was a lot more Spartan than I think people might have guessed. Okay, so what was it like to fly it? Well, Dave, as you know, <laughs> I had the chance to fly it on British Airways in the dying days of Concord. Uh, I, I flew it in December 2002, and it didn't even last a, a whole another year before they retired the thing. But uh, I flew on the iconic flight number 001. You have to have the two zeros, Dave, just so you know. And, and I flew from Heathrow uh, in London to JFK. 
and it was just pure awesomeness. So you get to the airport, they have a whole separate check-in area, and then you go into the lounge, and the lounge is the special Concord lounge that has boarding gates directly attached to it. So you just you go into the lounge, and then you get on the airplane. Uh, nice. And, you know, you, you taxi out, and there's just like the anticipation was just crazy because you're you're like oh my god oh my god this could be so awesome uh, but then takeoff is really weird so they they have afterburners like you've seen top gun right you know what we're talking about here i, I have uh, seen i have seen top gun yes right i'm familiar with it so it was just like that it was just like being on a tomcat <laughs> or okay not really but uh but they do have afterburners or as our regal english pilot referred to them they are the reheats and <laughs> So you get going fast on takeoff, uh, but then you get airborne and you don't really climb quickly. Like I'm thinking, you know, Top Gun again, like we're just going to shoot up to the stars or something. But you don't. And I think part of it is because it would probably hit the tail if it didn't gain a little altitude first. But you would literally be going uh, to the danger zone. It would. Oh, I see you, Kenny Loggins. I see you. <laughs> so you, you kind of slowly get this altitude and then all of a sudden you're like zoom and you just go and it's so cool. Uh, but the afterburners, oh my God, they're so loud. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but then you get up, the afterburners turn off and then you just, uh, the noise comes down and you just keep climbing and, and going up and up. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's <but> funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> But what, what was it like when you broke the sound barrier, at least? Ah, oh, right. Well, see, uh, Chuck Yeager and I were talking about this. We were sharing our stories. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure. No. no. It's, <laughs> so this is the most anticlimactic part of the whole thing. It, it's nothing. Completely nothing. There's, n- there's nothing. You have no idea. The only way that you know you broke the sound barrier is because there's a Mach meter on the bulkhead, and you can see it. Like, all of a sudden, uh-huh. you are above Mach 1. Oh, that is a that is a major bummer. <laughs> it it's definitely a little bit of a letdown, but uh, but then I mean it's still pretty awesome because you just keep climbing, and so you get higher and higher, like way above where normal commercial aircraft fly, uh, and you can start to see Earth's curvature a little bit. It gets really like the sky gets darker blue. Um, we uh, if I believe we got up to fifty five thousand feet at one point. Uh, most of the time, I think we were closer to 48 or 50, but uh, but it, it's just different up there. And, and Oh, and it's totally smooth up at that altitude. You're above all the weather. Uh, and this it was a great story. A friend of mine uh, is a pilot who was flying an airplane across the Atlantic that day, and he told me his flight was it was pretty rough a lot of the way. They had to keep the seatbelt sign on most of the time. And I'm sitting here like, well, that is not a concern of mine. <laughs> so we're way up there. And then three and a half hours later, I was in New York, which uh, by the clock, thanks to the time change, was an hour before I left London, which is pretty silly. Uh, so <laughs> look, put put a, put a link in the show notes so people can see the trip report that I wrote up. Uh, and, and as an added bonus for all those uh, vintage photo lovers, it includes scans of small pre-digital photos, which will be really terrible. But hey, you can see me looking like an absolute child uh, almost <laughs> 20 years ago. Uh, all right, I'll I'll do that. But uh, uh, so anyway, time travel isn't really possible. Uh, so why is that the best option for me to fly a supersonic plane? today 
Right. <laughs> well, you could go into the military, I guess. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So Concord, uh, look, it was a complete and total failure <laughs> from a business perspective. <laughs> uh, only British Airways and Air France ever flew the airplanes. They were crazy expensive to operate. Uh, on top of that, the uh, the sonic boom that makes its way to the ground uh, when you're going faster than the speed of sound means that it, they could only fly it over the ocean, so the routes were limited. And so fares were really expensive, and eventually they just gave up on the thing. All right, but that was decades ago. Someone has to have figured this out by now, no? Well, they like to think they have, uh, but we'll talk about that after the break. It's time to talk about BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P, the world's largest counseling service. And I thought we'd do something different this time, Dave. Uh, I talk about myself all the time, but this week, uh, how has it been for you? Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I see. All right, fine. Uh, please don't literally tell me about it. Uh, I'll talk to my therapist about that. There, there you go. Tell somebody else. Uh, my, my experience has been very positive. Uh, like you, the therapist that I was first matched with uh, didn't quite fit, um, but very quickly I found a new one, and it's been pretty smooth sailing ever since. Um, she's been helping me out a lot, um, and it's become a, an essential part of my life. It's almost like, a, you know, my weekly or uh, bi-weekly routine. Um, you know, I've used all three of the communications options just to try them out, because um, I've, I've never done messaging uh, before with the therapist, so that was a, a pretty interesting twist. Um, and I've done the phone and the video. All three are great options, but I, uh, my little millennial heart loves the messaging feature, which is uh, what I primarily use now. Um, oh my yeah! <laughs> look, it's uh, it's almost like they figured out that millennials hate talking on the phone. Oh, it's a breakthrough <laughs> in therapy. They learned that millennials don't like people. It's great. <laughs> Dave said it. Send your email to him. But. Yes, it's true. The, the messaging combined with the top. I, I just like that you have all the options. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for Carrier Pigeon to come out. Uh, <laughs> not very efficient, but yeah, no. sure. Whatever, whatever not efficient. But sometimes sometimes it just needs a little age. You know, you need to think about it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you would like to give it a try, BetterHelp is giving Cranky Talk listeners 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash cranky. Uh, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash cranky for 10% off your first month. And we're back. So yes, Dave, there are companies talking about bringing supersonic travel back. And in fact, one just made news. And well, you know this because that's why we're talking about this today. <laughs> uh, so I am, of course, talking about Boom and the recent order by United. Oh, you don't say. I had heard about this, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> we... but, All right. But, but can you explain something to me? Uh, why no. would you name an airplane? Okay. Why would you name an airplane company Boom? Oh, I would love to explain that to you if I knew why, because I have no <laughs> damn clue. I mean, listen, it's one thing to have an accidentally bad name, but it's another thing to have it be overtly bad on multiple <laughs> levels. Like, not, not only are they reminding people of the biggest hindrance to supersonic air travel, the sonic boom, 
But they're also named after the one thing you do not want to happen when you're flying an airplane. Go go boom. <laughs> okay. like, wh- I don't understand it. I really don't. All right. So it's not just me. but No. Uh, I saw the uh, United Details that uh, they're going to have this thing flying by 2029. <laughs> you you want to make a bet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't think you did. But if you change your mind, let me know. Because I will take that bet any day. Uh, that timeline is insanely aggressive see they've been working on this for years already but so far all they have to show for it is a demonstrator called the xb1 uh, which sounds fancy like something chuck yeager flew back in the day but uh, what it is is a tiny airplane that is supposed to show off some of the supersonic capabilities that they're trying to build into the bigger airplane that actually carries people Um, and this shouldn't be too hard for it to actually go supersonic because it's actually just using a variant of some GE engines that were developed in the 1950s originally. Uh, But that demonstrator only rolled out last year and we're still waiting for it to fly. It should be this year, they hope. Uh, And then once that's done, they have to figure out how to scale this thing up for commercial service with like 60 to 80 people, whatever it might be. Uh, And that includes finding an actual functional engine because these engines won't work on an airplane that size. And they are decidedly also not green. Yeah, that seems uh, rather important. (laughs) Yeah, well, United uh, says green is very important to its prospects, but really any engine would be important. And, uh, (laughs) you know, they to its credit, Boom seems to realize that that's an important thing. Uh, they're, so they're working with Rolls-Royce to develop an engine. Uh, but Rolls has had enough trouble with its engines that actually exist right now. Go, go talk to some airlines that have 787s powered by Rolls engines and uh, see how they feel about that. Uh, but, you know, who, who knows? They say they're working on it. They're going to have something. I, I can't wait to see this unfold. All right, so uh, that's going to take a few years, uh, but you know, 2029 is far away. Oh, not in aircraft <laughs> development land, it's not. But let me put it this way. Uh, remember a little airplane called the 737 MAX? Yes, that is the the one with the crashing problem, and uh, we did a whole yes. episode on that one. Yes, that one. So that was a known aircraft. Just had some minor design changes that caused major disaster, right? Yet, it still took 18 months for the airplane to be fixed and the regulators to recertify it. 18 months. Now, imagine how long it'll take to certify a brand new airplane, which would take passengers supersonic using new technology and a new engine from a company that has never certified an airplane before. All right. I, I see your point. <laughs> It, it, this is this is going to cost billions of dollars, and it's going to take so many years. And, and that's if they can actually build the airplane with engines to certify in the first place. The plan right now is roll it out in 2025, fly it first in 2026, and then go into passenger service in 2029. All right. Uh, so why did United <laughs> just sign gonna, up? I'm just going to burst your bubble there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so why did United sign up for this? Yeah, why well, did they sign up for this? I just assume it's for PR purposes. It it, it kind of helps frame United as this forward-thinking company. It helps them rally their employees to the future, all that kind of stuff. I can't imagine United is really taking this timeline seriously, though. They said the order is contingent upon United's, quote, demanding safety, operating, and sustainability requirements, unquote. I, I mean, that's 
going to take <laughs> a long time. I, I don't know how much money they put into this thing to to say that they are officially ordering the aircraft, but Boom's probably just happy to get the the right to show off a photoshopped version of the airplane in United's livery. I can't imagine United paid much for this thing. Uh, all right, so you are definitely just destroying all of my hopes and dreams of being able to fly fast. I mean, my goal in general is to destroy your hopes and dreams, so this has been yeah, a very productive podcast. <laughs> uh, but I... I that whole fly fast thing, by the way, it's not even as fast as it was going to be before. So originally it was going to go Mach 2.2, uh, which is 2.2 times the speed of sound. And now they've had to scale it back. So it's going to be Mach 1.7. Still fast, but uh, not quite as fast. Uh, all right. Stop. <laughs> uh, is anybody else doing this better? Uh, is there any hope? <laughs> Well, you said to stop, so I feel like I should just not keep talking. (laughs) But no, I'm afraid I have some bad news in that front, Dave. So great. No. Uh, So Lockheed Martin is working on developing the technology. They're they're trying to create something that will uh, dampen the sonic boom and work on that. But they don't seem interested in actually commercializing the technology. They're they're just viewing this as a Maybe it's something for defense reasons. I, I'm not actually sure exactly what it is, but if they could do it, maybe they can license it or something, but they don't want to to take it out there. The one that had what I thought sounded pretty promising was uh, Arion, which had backing from Boeing and was working with GE to develop an engine. So, I mean, that sounds promising, right? Yeah, those are some big names. Yeah. Well, Arion failed last month, so uh, <laughs> and then right after that, GE said it was halting all work on the engine. Uh, so that's that. And and Arion, by the way, they were trying to get started in the business jet market, so it was a much smaller project in the first place. Uh, there's another one called Spike Aerospace. Uh, they've talked about a 40 to 50 seat airplane. I don't know a ton about these guys, but for now, they're focusing on an 18 seat private jet that it claims has no sonic boom or will. Uh, last I heard, they want to be flying by 2023, but, well, I mean, you know how this goes now. All right. So this was very fun for me. Yeah. Honestly, I just don't have high hopes for supersonic flights. But, look, how about I leave you with something that could be something to look forward to? Sure. All right. I actually think there's a better chance that by the time they figure out supersonic, SpaceX will be flying you to Italy in an hour by going into space and coming back down. Forget quieting the sonic boom, man. Go outside the atmosphere where you can't hear anything. Uh, Shoot it up, come back down. uh, That's funny, huh? That would be amazing. You laugh at this. I think that I honestly think there's a better chance of this being commercially viable. Uh, Sure. We'll see how great that is. Uh, that would be amazing. Um, you know, I would love to be in Italy in an hour. I am dying to get out of here. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in to Cranky Talk. We'll be back with more deep dives and helpful tips for these turbulent times. Before we go, we want to thank the archive.net one more time for sponsoring our little trivia series. Head on over to the archive.net if you're looking for timetables, route maps, photos, and anything else your av geek brain can imagine. And thank you to BetterHelp. Head on over to betterhelp.com slash cranky. That's betterhelp.com slash cranky for 10% off your first month of counseling. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, let us know. Email us at advertise at crankyflyer.com. 
And please remember to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. This helps others find our podcast. If you have suggestions for what you'd like us to cover in a future show, let us know via email at info at crankyconcierge.com. Or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Cranky Concierge. And if you're looking for the top daily airline news stories, you can subscribe to Cranky Daily at crankydaily.com.